Blog Talk Radio. Good evening, folks, and welcome to another Stone and Tile show. I am your host, Fred Houston, and I've been sitting here kind of playing with the uh, with the site here. I'm looking at all the past shows that I've done, and I just realized this, and I don't know why I didn't realize this before, that uh, I've been doing these shows for over a year. Actually, I think February was actually one year when I started doing these shows. So uh, happy anniversary or happy birthday to me. Uh, anyway, with that said, we've got a lot of good things coming up here in this following, uh, following year. I've got a lot of people online to interview. Uh, we did a great interview last week with uh, the Stone and Tile School, so you might want to go back and check out uh, that uh, archive as well as well as some of all the other archives that, that I've done. Uh, a couple of announcements before we get started today. Uh, the first one being is I started a new video blog. Some of you had sent in a suggestion saying, Fred, why don't you do a video blog with some helpful tips, information about Stone and Tile. So I, I posted the very first video blog. It's on YouTube. Uh, if you go to the Stone and Tile video blog, you search it that way, or just simply send me an email to fhuston, F-H-U-E-S-T-O-N, at gmail.com. I'll send you the link, and you can go ahead and uh, subscribe to that video blog. I've done one so far. I'm going to be doing them probably on a weekly basis. I'll probably do them over the weekend and publish them sometime on the weekend, or if not, the weekend, Monday morning for sure. And they're going to be short, and if anybody has any suggestions for what they would like to see on the video blog, uh, go ahead and send me an email, give me a telephone call, contact me via messenger, I don't care whoever you need to contact me, and we'll go ahead and uh, try to get those on the video blog itself. So what I want to do in the video blog that I really can't do on the radio show, obviously, is show you things. Uh, the first video blog, I showed you some moisture meter tricks. Uh, I plan on doing some other stuff where I can actually show you what's going on with what I'm talking about rather than just talking. They're going to be short. Uh, they'll probably only be a few minutes long, and that's really all we need. The, the show here, the radio show or the podcast, whatever you want to call it, is where we'll get into details on all these subjects. <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, the next announcement I have is the seminar, which I mentioned on my other archive shows. Oh, excuse me, I'm taking a drink of water here. Well, well, that's not very professional. But anyway, um, the stone uh, and tile troubleshooting and inspection class is coming up in June in Florida this year, uh, June 17th through the 20th. If you want to register for that, uh, again, go ahead and send me an email. You can check out my uh, web page, which is stoneforensics.com, and click on the training tab there, and uh, you can get a uh, an idea of what the class is all about. Or if you'd like to call into the show here with either a question about the seminar or anything else to do with stone and tile related, uh, this is the number to call into now live if you're listening live. If you're listening via archives, obviously, uh, you can't call in live, but the number is 323-870-3968. That's 323 3968. Now, something interesting today happened, and uh, that is, those of you familiar with the Slippery Rock Gazette, uh, that, that newspaper that goes out to the stone industry, I happened to write the Stone Detective article in there. And what I decided to do for May's issue of the Stone Detective article is to present a problem 
but not give you the answer. And I'm going to give the answer in the June's uh, article, but I'm also going to give the answer on the radio show. Not today, but in a future radio show before May or maybe after that particular um, issue is published, I'll go ahead and give you the answer. So make sure you take a, take a look at that article. If you don't get the Slippery Rock Gazette, the good news is it's free. It's loaded with a lot of useful information, not only my article, but Bob Murrell does an article there on stone restoration. There's a lot of good articles. And, you know, what I've discovered lately, it used to be that a lot of the magazines out there did a lot of technical articles. And, you know, some of the magazines that are out there nowadays, they're just not doing technical articles anymore. If you're in the fabrication, installation, restoration business, all you're seeing in those magazines is architectural-type articles, you know, which are fine and dandy. You know, you can introduce materials, but there's really nothing technical. What's nice about... Uh, the Slippery Rock Gazette, is that there are technical articles there. And, of course, you have the radio show uh, here as well. So make sure you check that out. It's the, uh, uh, I believe the website is slipperyrockgazette.net, not .com. Or you can just simply go to, go to Google or, again, send me an email. I'll be more than happy uh, to send you a link to that. So with all those announcements said, I've got a bunch of emails that I want to go over this week that I got in, and, and some of them are quite interesting, and I thought it would be kind of uh, kind of interesting to give you the answers to these on the air. I mean, I've written these people back, uh, you know, via email, but I want, I think, some interesting. The first one is this. We have a recirculating water system with bag filtration for fines, and what he means by fines, this is the, the slurry, the powder that's left after, after it's dried out. So fines from cutting, polishing, routing, etc. Three bags of woven poly, and they weigh about 1,000 to 2,000 pounds. And I'm always looking for ways to repurpose our waste stream. Do you have any case studies or data that would back up trace mineral testing on some averages of natural stone fines? Uh, and they say they cut about 10% quartz on all forms of natural stone. And, you know, I've never really gotten this question before because typically what happens is that you take those materials and a lot of waste disposal companies consider that a hazardous waste in the liquid form. But if you put it into a solid form by just, you know, putting some Portland cement in there, you can now dump it, if you will, in the landfill. But this individual wants to know what he can do with those the, those materials to repurpose them. And the only thing I could think of, unless someone else has, has another great answer, I'd be glad to hear your answer. But the only thing I could think of would just be to use them as an additive in some concrete mixes. Uh, as far as percentages and all that stuff goes, I don't know. That's something you'd have to uh, discuss with a with a concrete person. But that might be something worth experimenting with. You know, maybe maybe pour some paving stones with them or or something like that, or, or make something that you can sell. You know, lawn ornaments or or something of that that nature with that material. That way, you don't have to throw it out. So. If anyone has any other idea of what to do with that material, now I'm not talking the leftover, you know, slab waste. I'm actually talking the from the filtration system itself, that, that slurry that you get, you dehydrate it, and then you have that, that, that fine powder. You know, what do other fabricators do out there with that other than throw it away? So if you've got an answer to that, I've... Either call in today, 323-870-3968, or send me an email to fhuston, F-H-U-E-S-T-O-N, at gmail.com and let me know because I, I would be interested in that. All right, the uh, second question that came in was, uh, I read with interest your article regarding restoration and maintenance. I have front steps replaced with Tennessee stone. 
about three years ago, and in the past six months, a blemish appeared that I'm trying to contain, if not repair. It appears the stone is some kind of finish that was supplied during the milling process. The finish started to bubble up in areas and is usually protected from the rain. Would you be able to refer me to someone knowledgeable of this topic? Well, in order, he sent me a photograph, and I obviously didn't see this. But when he said bubbling, the first thing I thought of is there's a coating of some kind. There's an acrylic, a, a urethane, an epoxy, some type of a coating on these steps, and it's bubbling. Because that's what I think of when I think of bubbling. And I wrote him back, and I asked him, is the, is the coating, is it, is it soft? Is it pliable? Can you peel it off? And he said no. He says it's very hard and scaly, which tends, to, which I tend to believe this is probably not a coating, but what's probably happening is spalling. And I've discussed this in the show before, and you know that when we talk about spalling, we're talking usually about salts within the pores of the stone expanding. So this individual happens to be in the Northeast, so it could be the icing salts causing it. Uh, salts can occur within the stone itself. Uh, it could be water is collecting in that area and is carrying salts with it. So it sounds like he has a salt problem. And like I say in my classes, like I constantly say on this show, in order to solve the problem, you've got to know the why. You have to know why the problem is there, which means you've got to know the cause, you know, what's causing it. So you need to find the source of moisture, the source of salts. Once that occurs and you can eliminate that, then we can look at a possible repair. Now, I had a case uh, not too long ago where someone had some spalling stone due to salt, a salt water pool, and they switched the salt water pool over to a chlorinated-based pool. We went in there, and uh, we're suggesting that they go ahead and they, they thoroughly rinse that stone with some distilled water, which is going to help dissolve those salts and, and, and get them out of the stone, and then use a consolidant. And if I have time today, I'll talk a little bit about consolidants if you don't know what that is. The next question was uh, something I've run into all the time, and that is I'm a general contractor. A house I constructed about four years ago had an issue with the granite on the kitchen island discoloring or darkening, uh, and I get these all the time. The island is approximately four by eight. The darkening issue was only recently noticed when a cutting board, which is usually in the same spot, was moved. The lighter areas of the granite seem to be affected as much as the dark area. It doesn't seem to be affected as much as the darker areas. And he sent a photo. It says it's an L-shaped countertop. The granite supplier installer does not know the cause or have a solution. Uh, this is important. The uh, entire kitchen has a south exposure with eight-foot-wide roof overhang that shields the kitchen from most sunlight except in winter. However, the kitchen does get a lot of light. And he wants to know, is this a normal problem? If so, is there a solution? Is there a repair? Uh, and there could be several things happening here. And the reason I say that, I've seen several instances where you get darkening of granite countertops for various reasons. The first reason is it could be a resin stone. A resin stone, and I did an entire show on this as well, check back in the archives, uh, if it's exposed to UV light, will darken over time. Now, he does say this gets some sunlight in the winter. That might be just enough UV light. Even if the kitchen is completely in the shade and doesn't get direct sunlight, there is still certain waves of UV light inside a home that can cause darkening of the, of the material. So what I suggest he do is check it for resins, and I'll tell you how to do that in a second. The second thing it could be is uh, a lot of oil on the kitchen countertop. Uh, I've had people that use their countertops constantly. They do a lot of heavy cooking. They use a lot of oil, olive oil, and that oil gets all over the 
and you end up with a, a lot of uh, discoloration, oil stains on the on the on the granite countertop. So uh, the easiest way to check for that would be to just apply a poultice. Uh, with a good degreaser in there in a spot and see if it removes it. If it removes it, chances are you're dealing with an oil base. Now, the third problem I've seen, and I wish I could say this was a rare problem, but it's not, is I know some fabricators out there, and if you guys are doing this, don't do it, please, are using color enhancers. I had one fabricator tell me that they color enhance everything. Now, the problem with color enhancers, they're, they're great products. Don't get me wrong. I mean, I've used them. There are certain uh, situations where you can use color enhancers, and I'll, we'll get to some of those actually here with some of these questions. But to just color enhance to hide your mistakes, to hide scratches, is wrong, especially on a kitchen granite countertop, because what's going to happen is eventually that color, that, that, that product's going to come out of the granite. And it'll get blotchy. You'll see areas that, that will blotch, uh, that will become lighter than others. And then people are, in this case, you know, they're scratching their head. You know, what's causing a discoloration? Now, since this individual had mentioned that something was covered, you know, there was a, a plate there. I can't remember what it was. I have to go back and read this. Um, I guess they had a, uh, let's see, see attached. Uh, I can't remember, but a, a cutting board. Uh, he had a cutting board there that when they moved the cutting board, it was lighter under the. That kind of tells me that this might be a resin stone problem. And the only way to temporarily fix that is to use a darkening agent on there. That's where you would use a color enhancer. Uh, so a color enhancer might might be apropos for that. So uh, again, you know, with a problem like this, you need to do a little bit of investigating and determine, you know, what is causing the problem. Uh, I had a call for, actually, this was an email from uh, a, a, a client or an actually a restoration contractor in the UK over in the United Kingdom, and he was using, wanted to know if a machine like the SX-15, now, those of you here in the U.S. might not know what an XS-15 is, but uh, um, a Kyvac, and these, they're, they're a wet, they're kind of like a wet dry vac that puts water down at the same time and sucks it up at the same time. Some of them are pressure, uh, have pressure to them, like a pressure washer. Others have warm water, some have hot water. And he wanted to know if that was safe for stone. And my general response is yes, but with caution. And with caution, I mean, you know, you don't want to use boiling water. You don't want really, really hot water. Uh, what hot water does, by the way, what warm water does, especially if you're using chemicals, is it activates the chemical and makes it work better. So in some cases, warm water is actually preferred, but you don't want it too hot. And then you have to watch your pressure. Uh, if he's dealing with a soft material like a soft limestone or a, a limestone that has a lot of filler in it, you could end up, you know, actually blowing that stone out a little bit more than it already is. So, you know, I would say a safe pressure for uh, doing stonework and cleaning issues like cleaning grout or whatever would probably be somewhere under 300 PSI. So that was my, my answer uh, to that. And then another question that came in, and again, I've seen this a million times, is how do you remove urine stains from a marble floor? Well, the interesting thing about urine stains, and I, I may have mentioned this before, so I'll repeat myself, is that urine, or I'm not whether it's human urine, animal urine, whatever, starts out as an acid when it's, when it's a liquid. And then when it dries, it becomes an alkali salt. 
So you can get damage uh, from the actual urine causing spalling from the from the alkaline salts that are that are that are in there. And of course, if you have urine that has a, a lot of staining material, dye, you know, someone has taken a lot of vitamins, for example, uh, you could actually stain the stone. And my recommendation would be there would be to use a poultice, and I would use a good strong hydrogen peroxide poultice, but that's not the only issue you have. The other issue you have is the odor. And fortunately, there are enzymes out there that will eat away at the odor. And if you go to oh, any janitorial supply house, they'll have a carpet cleaning supply house, uh, those enzymes. And if you're in a pinch and you don't know where to get it, go to a pet store. It's what they, the, uh, they, they sell in the pet department for your carpet for removing the urine odor out of a carpet when your dog or cat piddles on the carpet. So those will work as well. So I would first attempt to remove the odor and then go ahead and use a strong peroxide solution. And when I say a peroxide solution, I don't mean the peroxide that you buy at the grocery store or you know the drugstore that's, that's a very weak peroxide. You need a strong peroxide solution, and the best place to get that would be a beauty supply. You know, we happen to have a Sally's Beauty Supply uh, here in Florida. Uh, you probably have them in other states, but just go to a commercial beauty supply. If you go in and ask for hydrogen peroxide, they might look at you like you're a nutcase and you don't know what it is. Uh, basically, it's hair developer. Uh, you'll see it sold in gallon jugs. You'll see it sold in a cream form, a liquid form, and it's sold in volumes. Usually it's a 20 volume, a 30 volume, and I think I've seen it go as high as a 40 volume. I like the 20 volume. The 20 volume is, is strong enough, but it's not overly strong. So I would start with a 20 volume of peroxide. And uh, when I've used it, I've bought it and just go in and buy, you know, five or six gallons at a time and just, just keep it keep it on handy. So that's how I would deal with urine stains and odors as well. Okay, folks, the uh, call-in number is 323-870-3968. Uh, if you have any questions concerning any of that, anything that we're talking about here or anything to do with stone or tile, uh, feel free to call in with your question. Uh, another question I get quite often, and this also came in in an email this week, was do you have any idea how to break down thick grease buildup on a cast stone hood? Um, you don't see a lot of those, but you know you, you you can imagine if you have a cast stone hood. And what cast stone is for those of you that don't know what it is? It's basically artificial stone. It's a concrete of some type, usually a lightweight concrete that's poured into a into a form and a shape. And uh, you have the same problem with cast stone as you do with any other stone, brick, concrete. Is it porous? And in this case, they have it over a hood. Uh, over a stove, so it's going to get grease and oils, etc. So basically what you would do to remove it is the same thing you would do with any grease or oil, and that is to use a poultice. And, you know, I, I like using a good degreaser. Uh, you just want to make sure you don't use anything that has a lot of heavy dye in it. You know, a lot of other degreasers might be purple in color, uh, dark green in color, and sometimes I've, I've seen those actually die. So you want to try to find a degreaser, uh, and you can pick them up at, you know, any of the wholesale clubs, you know, whether it be Sam's, BJ's, Costco. Uh, you can get them at your janitorial supply house. So they're readily available. So I would use a good degreaser in a poultice, and if that is working properly. So that's how I would remove that. Uh, this next email was interesting because I've run into this, and it's kind of an interesting story of how I ran into it. But this individual says that he's dealing with a porcelain tile floor, and the customer wanted the grout sealed. So he used a water-based 
impregnator, and I, I won't tell you what brand it is, but I will tell you it's a silicate-based impregnator. It's not a fluoro-based, flora, flora, uh, a, a and I'll get into that in a second. And, uh, and he ended up applying it, cleaning it off, and he ended up with what looked like a rainbow film on the surface. In other words, he said when you look down at the tile, you can't see it. The tile looks fine, but once you look across the floor, it looks like it has a rainbow haze on that. And that is really typical of what they call a methyl silicate uh, type uh, impregnator, which is a water-based silicone compound that will build up a very thin film uh, on the surface that's almost invisible until you hit it at a certain light. And the best way to get rid of it is with an abrasive. Even though it's porcelain, just simply take some marble polishing powder. You can use granite polishing powder, which is abrasive, and you want to just run it over the surface with, a, say, a hog's hair pad in your floor machine, work it into a slurry, back it up, and it should remove the film. And the interesting story about that is I had that many, many years ago when I was in the restoration business, I had that issue, and the um, contractor called me up and said, we're about ready to tear this floor out. We've tried every chemical known to man to try to remove this film, and we can't get it off. So I went in there. I asked all the right questions. I found out what product they used. And uh, of all the chemicals they used, I realized that none of them had an abrasive to it. So I, I, I wondered, you know, what if we used an abrasive? And the only abrasive I could think of at the time or what I had in my truck was some polishing powders. So I ran out, grabbed some 5X powder, uh, took it on a, a small little pad, and guess what? Voila. <laughs> I ended up with uh, removing the film. So if you end up with that situation, even though, you know, you're not dealing with marble, you know, go ahead and use a marble polishing powder. It can work. It can work really, really well. Um, next question is I have a grout film on my tile backsplash and can't seem to get it off. I've tried vinegar and water as well as some uh, grout removers at the Home Depot, and it still won't come off. Do you have any recommendation? And uh, this individual actually called me, and I, you know, I asked her what products she used, and everything she used was acid-based. A lot, most of your grout removers, not all of them, but most of your grout removers you find at the the Home Depot, the Lowe's, the Ace Hardware are going to be acidic in, in nature, which is great for removing a grout film. Not on marble, obviously, because in, in the acid will affect the marble. Uh, and I got to thinking, I bet you the installer used epoxy grout. And I asked her if she knew. She said she didn't. And I said, this is what I want you to do. I want you to get some acetone. And be careful with acetone, guys. Uh, it's a very dangerous chemical, more so than what you think it is. Uh, wear some gloves, acetone-resistant gloves. And I told her to take a, a little bit of acetone, put it on a cloth, and rub it over a section of the tile and see if it removes the grout. And she said it did. So that told me that it was an epoxy-type grout. So if you run into that situation with films and your typical you know, grout removers, your acids are not removing it, you might want to find out uh, what type of grout it is. And chances are you'll probably find out that it's an epoxy grout and therefore you'll need to use uh, a solvent to get rid of it, something like, like acetone. Uh, next question was, which type of grout should I use for my shower, backsplash, etc.? In other words, how do I choose the proper grout? Well, I mean, we could get into a whole lecture on the type of grouts there are, but from an installer standpoint, we know that a grout joint less than an eighth of an inch would have to be an unsanded grout. Anything from an eighth of an inch and above would be an unsanded 
or I mean, I'm sorry, a sanded grout, uh, which can be a problem because I've seen installers install marble uh, tiles with a wider than an eighth of an inch grout joint and then go ahead and use sanded grout, and guess what? It scratches the tile. I've seen that many, many times. Um, or an epoxy grout. Now, there are some uh, counties in the United States where it is part of the code that in a kitchen, now I'm not talking a residency, I'm talking about a commercial, in a commercial kitchen that epoxy grout is required. So that's something you need to need to check into. Uh, we're seeing a lot of installers now install epoxy grout in kitchens as well, just because it's it's a kitchen. It's going to get grease, it's going to get oil, et cetera, et cetera. So um, as far as, you know, choosing, well, what I said to this individual, as far as choosing, uh, the proper grout, you know, talk with your installer and, and find out, uh, you know, where you're using it. You know, a backsplash, a countertop, if it's a tile countertop, a kitchen floor, anywhere you're going to have grease, you're going to have oil, etc. I would go ahead and use an epoxy grout. Oh, by the way, I just remembered that back when we were talking about the uh, how you test for a resin stone, I said I was going to tell you, oh, I haven't told you yet, so let me back up to that question where, you know, how do you tell a stone, especially granite, which is what most of the resin stones are today, uh, are resin. Well, if you're a fabricator and you can see that slab prior to it being installed, it's very easy. Uh, you look at the sides, you'll see drips on it or whatever. But let's say you go into someone's kitchen and you have a suspicion that it's resin. How do you tell? Uh, one way to tell is to take a microscope. And, um, you know, you can look at a, a raw piece of stone and you can look at a resin piece of stone. And, again, this is where the video blog will come in great because uh, I can't really show you this on the radio. And you can actually see that the pores of the stone are filled. Uh, that will tell you that's a resin. Another way to tell is to take a very strong solvent, something like methylene chloride. And you can buy methylene chloride, and I know you can't get it very well in California and some other states, but uh, if you go into your, you know, your Lowe's, your Home Depot, and you ask uh, for a varnish stripper, and you look at the back and you look at what's in it, chances are it's going to be methylene chloride. Uh, so you want to you know, look at the labels, look for you know, varnish stripper, shellac stripper, or whatever, and see if it contains methylene chloride. And what you basically want to do is put a little drop of that methylene chloride in a corner somewhere and let it sit for a while, and what I mean for a while, a good 15, 20 minutes, and then remove it. If there's a resin in there, that will probably melt it. The third way and you've got to be very careful with this, and you've got to do it somewhere where you're not going to ruin the stone, is to take a torch. And if you heat the granite and, and you actually smell the fumes as it's coming off the granite, you can kind of get that resin smell. And those of you guys that work with resins know what I'm talking about. It's a distinct smell, and you'll know right away uh, that it is, it is resin. Sometimes a UV light will work, especially if the resin is spotty. Uh, you can take a UV light, you know, a black light, the ones that the carpet guys use to detect urine. You get them cheap on Amazon and eBay. And uh, sometimes you can see the difference there as well. So there's another way uh, to tell. All right, folks, the telephone number, if you want to call in with a question, is 323-870-3968. That's 323-870-3968. Or go ahead and send me a message on on Messenger uh, and my Facebook page, Stone Forensics, or go ahead and send me an email, fhuston, F-H-U-E-S-T-O-N, at gmail.com. This is a, the next question. I, I, I received this yesterday, and I, I thought it was kind of interesting. And this individual was real concerned about high VOCs with a sealer that was placed on the countertop. 
And their concern was, apparently someone told them that the sealers that they are using have very high VOCs, and he was concerned about, you know, is this going to be safe for a food handling area? Well, let me talk a little bit about VOC. VOC stands for Volatile Organic Compound, and it flashes off. So your carriers and your sealers, your solvent-based sealers, not your water-based sealers, VOCs occur in solvent-based sealers, not water-based sealers. What all, it flashes off so that, that whether it's a, uh, you know, mineral spirits based, toluene based, there's all kinds of solvents that when they evaporate, the VOCs are gone. The VOCs are, are already absorbed into the atmosphere and already ruining your day uh, by uh, harming the ozone later. But, you know, that, that's another story. But once those VOCs flash off and the seal is cured, VOC is not an issue. Uh, so that's what I told that particular uh, individual. This next question, I think I'm going to do a video blog on, but we'll go ahead and address it here. This was uh, someone that sent me some shellstone samples that they're shellstone is really, really big here in Florida, and uh, a lot of it's filled because if you ever, if you know anything about shellstone, it's very holy, not religious, but very holy, and uh, a lot of times they'll use cement fillers. Well, it just so happens that they installed this around a pool deck, they washed it with an acid, which eh, I wouldn't have done that, uh, and the fillers were much lighter than the surrounding stone. And the question was, uh, can I darken the stone to match the fillers? And my response to this was basically no. Is it impossible? No, but it's very tricky. So what I suggested he do is to perform a test by darkening down the fillers, since the fillers were light. And I recommended several color enhancers that are that are out there for that. So that's something uh, that that I would suggest, but you do. But but keep in mind, color enhancers, for the most part, are temporary, especially in an outdoor environment, uh, around a pool deck. Uh, you know, you, you'll apply them. They'll darken up the filler in this case, or if you're darkening, they say a honed granite or something, it will darken it. It will enhance it. It'll make it look really nice. But eventually, that UV light rain, etc., is going to bleach it out. So it's something that has to be done on a continual uh, continue basis. Uh, another question I got, which I thought was interesting, and I actually wrote uh, my next ar- the, the article that I had mentioned before, which I didn't give you the answer to, and I'm going to mention it, but I'm not going to give you the answer because I want you to tune in and read the article and tune into the radio station, and that is uh, this individual has a white marble that turned blue. It had a blue discoloration on it, and uh, just you know, keep listening to the podcast here. Keep an eye on this, the Stone Detective and the Slippery Rock Gazette, and uh, you'll you'll get the answer here in a very short period of time. Uh, I had an individual uh, a couple of weeks ago that had a honed porcelain tile floor that had, it was grungy, it was dirty, and he tried everything to try to clean it, and he really couldn't get it clean. So he sent me an email, he sent me a picture, and yes, it was a honed porcelain tile. And here's a little trick that I discovered which works really, really well. And I discovered this trick on a job that I did 30 years ago. I had my guys out doing a, a hotel lobby with a porcelain floor, home porcelain floor. They were using some strippers that wasn't getting it clean. They tried everything to try to clean this porcelain floor. So I said to my guys, take a break. I'll be right back. And I ran to the grocery store and I ran to the cleaning aisle, in other words, a laundry detergent aisle, and I picked up a box of Tide with bleach. Not, I didn't add bleach to it. It says Tide with bleach. And I said, try this. Sprinkle some of the Tide on the floor. Take a pad 
add a little water, work it into a slurry as if you're polishing the stone, and vac it up. And I've given this, this particular tip to a lot of contractors over the years, and it works great. So if you have a really difficult cleaning situation like that, especially with porcelain tile or ceramic tile, and you've got that ground-in dirt, a little bit of laundry detergent, work it into a slurry for a few minutes, back it up, rinse it, and chances are you'll clean that tile really, really, really well. Uh, as far as cleaning goes, uh, we had mentioned grout cleaning, and this is, a, a, again, another question that came. I had a lot of questions come in over the last couple of weeks uh, that came in on grout cleaning, and what they basically said was that we've tried the grout cleaners with some really dirty grout. Uh, we've tried some grout cleaners that we bought at you know, Home Depot or Lowe's or whatever, and they're just not cleaning it good enough. And the reason being is, as I had mentioned before, most grout cleaners are acidic in nature, and acids are great for certain types of soiling, and others they don't work at all on, and it's usually grease. So what you need to use is what we call a two-step system. In other words, what I would do is I would hit it with an acid first, a mild acid. Of course, be careful if you're dealing with marble. And then hit it with an alkali. Uh, a good degreaser will work. That's an alkali. A lot of the floor strippers that are out there are an alkali and rinse really well. And that way what you're doing is you're hitting it from two different ends of the, of the pH scale, from the acid end and the alkaline end. So the alkalis are probably going to attack the, the, uh, the dirt, the oils, uh, the greases, where the acid end is going to basically attack all your organic-based materials. So that's the way I would, uh, I would approach a, a grout cleaning that's, that's very, very difficult. And then we have the question that I get constantly, and that is, does all stone need to be sealed? And, of course, if you've been listening to this podcast over the years, a couple of uh, episodes ago we talked about not sealing stone in a shower pan, and uh, I'm not going to get into that. Uh, we, we talked with Pablo about that. If you want to go back and listen to that episode, you can get the, uh, the full story on why we don't think you should seal um, stone in stone floors in a shower, especially you know, Carrara type, the, the white marbles, but we won't get into it here. I'll go back and listen to that because we discuss it quite a bit in detail. And as a matter of fact, I'm going to give Pablo a call here one of these days and get a follow-up on some of his, his experiments for those of you uh, that have been following him and, and the experiments he's doing with, with shower pans. But to answer the question directly, does all stone need to be sealed? And the question is, well, except for a few instances, what would it hurt to seal all stone? Uh, if it doesn't need to be sealed and you apply sealer, as long as you apply it properly and wipe it off, it's probably not going to hurt, except for several situations where, I, where I, I'm really frown on sealing stone. One is exteriors. I don't like using, when I'm talking sealers, I'm talking about your impregnators. Uh, even though these impregnators are breathable, they do reduce the pore size, and especially in an outdoor environment, you get condensation. And we went into length and, uh, on this reason why, and uh, you end up with some issues there. And I've seen some real damage done when stone was sealed in an outdoor situation as well as uh, a shower pan. So in general, uh, it, it's kind of a yes or no answer to this question. Does all stones need to be sealed? Yes and no, and the no's and yes's I, I gave you uh, a second ago. All right, I've got just a few more questions to finish up here before I wrap things up. So if anybody wants to call in uh, with a quick question, it's 323-870-3968. 323-870-3968. 
That's 323-870-3968. In the meantime, let me mention one more time that uh, I have my seminar coming up, my stone and tile troubleshooting and inspection class coming up in June this year in Florida. I'm going to be holding in DeBerry, Florida, which is just north of Orlando at the Stone and Tile School. We interviewed uh, on last week's show. Uh, it's going to run the 17th through the 20th. The, the nice thing about the live show, I do offer a correspondence class if you're interested, if you can't make the live class. But what's really nice about the live class, you know, other than the uh, back and forth with questions, you know, in the seminar, et cetera, and getting a, a live instructor, is that we actually go on some inspections uh, one of the days we take, and we actually go in the field and show you how to go about doing inspection live. So that, that's kind of a, a plus for that particular seminar. Now, it's rare that I offer this seminar twice a year. I just completed one in January in Vegas, which is where I usually do it once a year. I'm doing it uh, uh, for a second time because everybody's requesting it and kind of hit the people on the East Coast that can't actually get to Vegas. Uh, going to be done just outside of Orlando. So again, the dates are June 17th through the 20th. Go to stoneforensics.com, click on the training tab. You can read all about it there. You can send me an email to fhuston, F-H-U-E-S-T-O-N at gmail.com. I'll be more than happy to answer your questions. If you want to give me a phone call, my cell phone number is 321-514-6845. That's 321-514-6845. Again, uh, I limit this to 10 people max. So, um, and I'm getting registrations already. So, if you want to get in, the next class isn't going to happen until January of next year in Vegas again. So, if you want to get in beforehand in Florida, now's the time to register. Uh, I mentioned the video blog at the top of the show. Uh, the video blog, keep an eye on that. Send me an email. I'll send you the link. It's on YouTube. It should be under the Stone and Tile video blog if you if you want want to search it. So again, uh, we're going to have a lot of great shows coming up. A lot of great interviews uh, for installers, fabricators, as well as installation contractors, architects, designers, as well as consumers. So uh, we'll talk to everyone again next week. Look for my next video blog. And everyone have a great weekend. We'll see everybody next week.